Good evening, world. This is the podcast Asafras and your host, that's Laura Cattell, coming to you a bit late tonight. But such is life when moving and packing and renovating and doing all sorts of things while manifesting. Sometimes you just get super busy. So I apologize for coming in a little late, but we are doing, we are doing. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. We are going over Manifesting Change, It Couldn't Be Easier by Mike Dooley, one of the featured authors on The Secret. And he has quite the unique spin and understanding of the universe. And obviously it resonates with a lot of people because he's a featured author. He's gone on world tours. He's spoken in, uh, I don't know how many countries. And the info has not changed. Although I will point out, Mr. Dooley has recently started a 21-day lucid dreaming challenge. You can go look that up on Facebook or some other social media. You can just Google it if you want. Mike Dooley, uh, lucid dreaming, and it should pop right up. Fantastic stuff. So we're going over the book Manifesting Change. And we left off yesterday at understand why you do what you do right after this absolutely fantastic excuse me fantastic excerpt um and i'm gonna recap that just because it's freaking amazing and i've said this in other ways many times before But it bears repeating, so I'm going to repeat it before we get into our our daily. I'm going to repeat it because you need to hear it. However down and depressed and destitute and hopeless you feel, it does not stay that way forever. It's not there to be a life sentence. It's not there to be a punishment. Sometimes lessons are painful. Sometimes lessons are painful. If only for the reason so that you know what pain feels like. Deep, scarring, searing, ungodly pain feels like. Maybe that makes you empathetic to another... Ooh, excuse me. had the hiccups. Maybe that makes you empathetic to another's plight. Maybe that turns you into an activist you didn't know about. Maybe that sends you on a world tour. Before I get into the excerpt I'm going to repeat from yesterday. Um, when I read stories like that and I... I talk about lessons, and I'm, I'm coming from my own personal experience here. But to put it in other terms, ooh, about five years ago, uh, about five years ago, I want to say, a family lost their teenage daughter because she was texting and driving. They kept, they kept the truck 
she was driving in when she died. And they go around from high school to high school with that truck to show you just what can happen in the blink of an eye. How many people's lives did they save? Hmm? How many people did they make think twice? You can't know. They determined that they were going to make sure her death was not in vain. That's the kind of internal fortitude sometimes you have to go through when you go through these lessons. And they are lessons. And sometimes it takes a long time to get over it. Sometimes it takes a short time to get over it. Sometimes you don't get over it. Sometimes you're not supposed to get over it. Because that's what propels you forward. Alright, that's what... That's that linchpin moment that moves you into a new paradigm, a new frame of being, a new way of thinking. But I implore you, I beg of you, I plead... Have the courage to go back and learn as much as you can. And each stage of your life that you get to, you will go back to that moment and you will find new lessons to learn. Because as your perspective changes throughout life, so do the lessons that you learn from the experiences that you have already been through in reference and relevance to what's currently going on in your life. And you can't know it then. And yes, you have every right to grieve. Maybe you lost a best friend, maybe you lost a family member, maybe you lost someone else very close and important to you. I'm not saying don't grieve. Nobody is saying don't grieve. But have the courage to go back and learn. So to recap the excerpt from yesterday. Nobody comes here to be poor their entire life. Nobody comes here to be sick their entire life. Nobody comes here to be lonely their entire life. If the conditions of your life so far have been displeasing, you can change them. That's what this book is all about. Life is about adventure. Adventure is about challenge. And in the vast majority of cases, challenges are chosen to be overcome. It would be more apt to note that if you were born into poverty, you chose that life to live in abundance. Poverty wasn't meant to be your mainstay. And while you can readily find seeming exceptions to these claims by pointing to starving children in Africa, or even here in the United States, these are nevertheless the exceptions 
rare exceptions with relatively easy to understand big picture explanations, as will be touched on in Chapter 7, Understanding Adversity. This book, however, is for the hundreds of millions of Americans and the billions of other nationals alive today all over the world who can readily and easily begin affecting deliberate and exciting change in their lives once they learn the truth about who we are, why we're here, and what we are each capable of doing. Because of your original, persistent, and innate intent to thrive on a stage you chose for that purpose. When you think a positive thought, it immediately goes with the grain and the energies that match your reason for being. It's already in alignment with who you really are and what you're really about. It makes sense, and it adds to the fire of all your desires. Whereas when you think a negative thought, no matter how dark your life has seemed so far, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. You're not here to be unhappy, sick, lonely, or broke. If you think a negative thought, it contradicts the magnificence of your being. Therefore, while a thought is a thought is a thought, it's as if your positive thoughts are 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. And if anything, that number is a gross understatement. Accordingly, if you just do your best, not giving undue energy and attention to your so-called baggage or subconscious thoughts, it will always be enough. Don't worry about your doubts and insecurities. Press on. Vincent van Gogh once said, If you hear a voice within you say, You cannot paint. Then by all means, paint. And that voice will be silenced. It's been said ad nauseum in so many different ways. I'm going to say it again here. Where you start is not, not an indicator of where you are going to end up. You are not required to be the same person you were a second ago, a minute ago, an hour ago, a day ago, a week ago, a year ago, see me, a month ago, a year ago, ten years ago, or any other point up to now in your life. You are allowed to change. You are allowed to grow. And don't you dare listen to anyone telling you you can't. They have no authority to tell you so. You are a human being. You exist. You were not born because somebody authored it or authorized it or gave permission for it. You were born. You exist. Therefore, you have a right to exist. And there's absolutely no authority on earth that can tell you that you do not have a right to exist because no other person on earth is any higher than any other human being. We are all human beings. And as human beings, we make mistakes. That's how we learn. It's how we grow. 
We make boatloads of them. And in this age, this era, this current dare I say, culture that we're surrounded with right now, I want you to really understand that. I don't care how many people scream that you cannot. You are allowed to grow. You are allowed to change. You are not required to be the same person you have ever been in your life up to this point. That was my cat. My apologies. Okay, I don't know who needed to hear that, but somebody needed to hear that. And I sincerely hope it resonates with you as much as it resonates with me. Before we get any farther, because I, I do want to get back to the book, and understand why you do what you do, which is going to follow what we just recapped. I shout out to the restaurant industry, all my guys and gals out there in Foodland. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the long hours. Thank you for the time away from family. Thank you for all the holidays. Thank you for busting ass when crisis hit. And for all of those out there feeling overwhelmed and that they can't possibly go on, I'm begging you and pleading with you, please don't. Please don't do that thing you can't take back. You are worthy. You deserve love. You deserve to be here. You deserve the good things that you are hoping for, searching for, wanting for. Don't quit. Whatever you do, don't quit. Alright, so, on the heels of that, understand why you do what you do. And that one sentence, he specifically states, is so important because it's what enables you to enjoy the journey. You are not the home run hitter. Your action part, the baby steps, is not supposed to be hitting the home run that saves or makes your life. That's way too much pressure. And that's not why you do what you do. Instead, excuse me. Instead, understand that the real reason for your actions is to give the universe an opportunity to reach its hand into your daily affairs with its seeming miracles and magic. Your part, physically speaking, involves little more than showing up. If you're out there in the world, constantly knocking on new doors and turning over new stones, then you're reachable. And that's a whole lot easier than having to go out all alone and be a hero. 
It would never work. Instead, you need to see yourself as the pitcher, pitching the ball to the universe by the various actions you take so that the universe can hit the home run, which it can and will do as long as you keep pitching. Even when your actions may seem paltry and feeble, especially compared to your grandiose dreams, even when it seems you've already pitched a lot of foul balls. This brings to this me, excuse me. This brings me to another question that arises frequently from audience members. Mike, if I'm not supposed to mess with the cursed house, but I am supposed to physically move in the general direction of my dreams, isn't this a contradiction? Again, what makes a cursed how a cursed how is not what you're doing, but how you view what you're doing. If you view yourself as the home run hitter, it's a cursed how. If you view yourself as the pitcher, with each pitch representing action you take that you can get the universe in on the game, then it's not a cursed how. It's you moving in the general direction of your dreams. Imagine, for instance, two people who each join the same Rotary Club. One of them might be viewing it as a chance to meet Mr. Big. Yeah, they're going to meet Mr. Big. They're going to sit with him at lunch and tell him funny jokes, and he's going to love them. And then Mr. Big is going to list his house with this person. That's messing with the cursed house. Another person can join the very same Rotary Club, but as they view it, they're just knocking on one of many doors. They may also join other service clubs, make cold calls at work, or network in other ways. This person doesn't know which door will provide results, but isn't worried because there are a lot of irons in the proverbial fire. Their attendance at Rotary can then be enjoyed. They may sit next to Mr. Big, or maybe meet an even bigger fish. Maybe it'll be Mrs. Big. Or maybe their membership won't add to their business connections, but will be seized by life's magic to improve their social life, while the universe uses their other pitches to reach them on the business front. From this perspective, none of this person's actions will be the cursed house. To differentiate it one more time, what makes something a cursed how is not what you do, but how you view what you do. When you finally understand why you're taking such actions, because you have an infallible universe there to connect the dots of your actions, you can then move around freely finally enjoying the journey without carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Note from the universe. Invariably, when big dreams come true, and I mean big, there is a total metamorphosis of one's life. Thoughts change, words change, decisions are made differently. Gratitude is tossed about like rice at a wedding. 
Priorities are rearranged and optimism soars. Yeah, those folks can be really annoying. You could have guessed all that, huh? But would you have guessed that these changes invariably come about before, not after, the big dream's manifestation? Invariably means always. The universe. You can do this. You can change your thoughts, reshape your words, and make decisions differently. You can toss about gratitude like rice at a wedding. You can rearrange your priorities and alter your viewpoint. That's practically all it takes. New actions will follow automatically, yet you can hasten the entire process profoundly. <clears throat> Sorry, I sneezed. Where was I? Alright, so I'm gonna go back that up. So, new actions will follow automatically. Yet, you can hasten the entire process profoundly by beginning to predicate as much of your behavior as possible on the life of your dreams instead of solely upon the circumstances that now surround you. Okay. Again, sorry for the interruptions such as life, but I am... I am determined... I am absolutely determined to keep going. So, let's see. That is a very good distinction, and I gotta imagine that that's a common confusion question. I'm gonna go back over it again. Mike, if I'm not supposed to mess with the cursed howls, but I am supposed to physically move in the general direction that, of my dreams, isn't that a contradiction? If you're hinging your end result on the thing you're going after, then yes, you are turning, into, turning it into a cursed howl. However, if you're simply going around and knocking on doors, as he said, or basically making yourself available out in the world to the universe, then no, it's not a cursed how. Okay. It becomes a cursed how, like the kitten leg warmers. It becomes a cursed how when you hinge your success, your future, what you're, what you're visualizing, on that thing you're going after currently. Okay. That's why he makes the differentiation between generalizing and specifics. Alright? Always leave yourself room for what? Room for better. So when you're... Let me, let me, let me go back over this a little bit. So when you're visualizing something, right? You're using that to generate the energy around the end result you're hoping for, working for, trying to manifest but that doesn't necessarily mean that the images you're seeing as you visualize are going to end up being the thing that actually happens in real life what that visualizing does is inject the energy necessary into the thought and then you going out into the world 
with this energized thought attracts all the necessary things to propel you forward. But the universe, God, creation, whatever, all right, you cannot, you are physically incapable of calculating every single last possible permutation of calculations necessary to get you from where you are to where you want to be. It's too much. It's too much. So when he sits there and says, if you view yourself as the home run hitter, it's a cursed howl. If you view yourself as the pitcher, each pitch representing an action that you take to get the universe in on the game, then it's not a cursed howl. If in your visualization, you're the one relying on yourself, and you're the savior, you're the... The grace, you're the, 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 the guru, you're the, you're the one. And you're hinging everything on that. That all has to come down to you. You're messing with the cursed house. I hope that made a little more sense. I hope that made a little more sense. So, he's going to finish up... Ooh, there's, there's two more. We have, I think, two more chapters. Total chapters in this book, so that's chapter six. Oh, goodness. Where's chapter seven? Where'd it go? There it is. Okay. So we've got two more solid chapters in this book. Chapter six and chapter seven. And chapter 7 is Understanding Adversity. So we're going to finish off uh, chapter 5 real quick. And he likes to finish off his chapters with some upbeat stuff. And he always starts off the end of the chapter with a, You can do this. I'd like to wrap up this chapter with an exercise called acting lessons. Acting, or pretending, is something my mother, my brother, and I do on a regular basis when we get together, and we've been doing it for years. As I said earlier, about once a month we get together to share new readings, talk about new epiphanies or insights, walk through guided visualizations, or whatever comes to mind. Playing make-believe. At one of our meetings many, many years ago, we started pretending in our discussion that some of our biggest dreams had already come true. It's a bit out there, but always fun. I would say something like, Mom, I've just finished building my new home on the windward side of Oahu. You're gonna love it! And hey, when you're finished filming the animated version of Dandelion with Steven Spielberg in L.A., why don't you take a week off, jump on a plane, and visit? Andy, you can do the same. When you're finished painting the town red in Paris, come on over with Mom. I'll even let you borrow my jet. Then Andy would one-up me saying, Thanks, but I'll take a rain check. I am planning on spending that week at the Riviera with Jennifer Aniston. Besides, your jet is just too small for my entourage. 
we'd go all the way around, playing that not only our own wildest dreams had already come true, but so had each other's. It's also become an ongoing theme in a lot of our between-meeting conversations. I'll still pick up the phone some afternoons and call, call Andy, saying something like, Hey, guess who just called and invited me to help launch his new show in New York? Yeah, Robin Williams! And so on. And I feel bad now. Robin Williams was one of my favorite. May he rest in peace. <clears throat> Sorry. I, uh, I grew up on his genie. Big and blue and bod bodacious. <laughs> oh, he was out there. I love that. Robin Williams was a treasure. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> Ironically, I did. I actually did receive an email from a famous celebrity asking for insights into a t-shirt business he and his wife wanted to start. And when I told Andy this, he thought I was still play acting. Wow, cool, he said. Hey, why don't you come over for a barbecue I'm having with JC and Beyonce right now? I protested. No, Andy, so-and-so really wrote me. Really, really. Right, and don't forget to bring over the Great Poupon, Mike. The pretending is starting to become real. Wow. Remember he went over in earlier chapters, making make sure um, pretending counts. Big time. Pretending counts. Your turn. Try this exercise on the following page. Jot down a dream of yours that has already come true, along with some of the consequences its fruition has already had on your life. Then write down a dream of yours that will be coming true, along with some of its anticipated consequences. Share both dreams with a friend or a cool family member or your reflection in the mirror if you don't have anyone who understands this stuff, and speak of both dreams in the past tense, as if they've already come true. That's super important. Don't say, this dream has come true and this one will be coming true. Speak of both in the past tense. Then, have your friend or family member share his or her dreams with you as if they've already come true. And each of you can speak of one another's, of one another's dreams as well. This simple exercise is powerful because it's going to take you and your mind's eye to the other side of the fence. You're going to be creatively challenged to start thinking of nuances to your life that will be real considerations one day in the near future and you'll be forced to speak about them as if they were present-day manifestations, as if they had already wonderfully and magically come to pass. Alright, so that's a pretty pretty straightforward, right? So you, the reason why you write down the dream that's already come true is because it gears your mind up and helps you bypass your subconscious gatekeepers. Okay? Because you're starting with something that already happened, you're already starting in that energetic frequency. You're starting with a memory. And because it's a memory, your subconscious doesn't throw up red flags. Then you go straight into your dream you anticipate coming true. And it just segues. And you can bypass your subconscious gatekeepers a lot easier.
Alright, so acting lessons. So, do this in front of a mirror. If you don't feel comfortable enough doing that with other people, yeah, they might not, um, not, might, might not be amenable to, uh, that kind of play acting, as it were. But seriously, alright, when you keep doing that, when you keep play acting like that, alright, you're, I don't want to say organically visualizing, what do I want to say here? You're still acting as if you're visualizing the thought into reality, and it starts coming true. The more you do it, the more often it happens, the more consistent you get. So, again, a dream that's already come true, and a dream you anticipate coming true, or you're hoping come true. And write down consequences, first with the dream that's already come true, and what consequence or what has um, happened as a result you know what are the positive things that have happened as a result in your life and then a dream you're hoping to come true or you're expecting to come true right expectation is powerful and then you're going to write down some of the anticipated consequences of that dream coming true and make sure that you are speaking from the, as it, it was in the past tense, right? As if it has already happened. Not will be coming true, has already happened. Because if it will be coming true, and you're repeating that to yourself, it will, for, it will forever will be coming true. It will forever be in the future. It will never actually happen in the present. Alright, we will start off tomorrow with chapter 6, opening the floodgates. Ooh. So go ahead and do a little wiggle. Get in a little stretch. And we're going to go ahead and do our two-minute brain break. I apologize if this comes across as choppy. I'm still in the process of moving people around different places of my house. So, I beg forgiveness... I'm going to try and make it as smooth as possible. And I appreciate your patience in bearing with me. Alright. Wiggle done. Stretch done. Go ahead and close your eyes. And let's take a nice, slow, deep breath in. take another nice slow luxurious deep breath in
and just let your awareness settle into the space. And just become aware of this moment. Become aware of yourself in this moment. Become aware of where you are in this moment. of the world in this moment. And just let your awareness expand out as far as you can. Open your eyes. Alright guys, again, I thank you so much for your patience, and I thank you for being here. And I thank you for coming along this journey with me. I'm grateful that you come back, I'm grateful that you find my podcast worth listening to, and I'm so very grateful that you're here, and you're listening, and that I'm providing value, and I hope this is changing your life, and ways that I can't even begin to describe or imagine. I sincerely hope that you're putting some of this to practice and use. And it's changing your life. It's changed mine. It has surely changed mine. Quick little recap before I sign off for the night. Very first major thing I ever manifested in my life is the home I am currently renovating to sell. And I'll offer a little bit of advice. Sometimes your first foray into the thing that you want is not going to yield the results that you need or are looking for because the universe really wants to see if you really want it. Before I bought this house, I had done a foray into purchasing a home the year prior, but it wasn't the right time, the markets weren't right, and the person that was uh, trying to sell me the house was really shady, and the 
uh, real estate guy that he was using was a very bad listener. And so I just got bad vibes all around and I said, no, I think I'll wait till the next time. But it provided me valuable experience and knowledge. I knew how much, um, I knew what points on a loan were. I knew how much closing costs became or what the difference in mortgage lenders were. It still gave me valuable in information. And when I was finally ready to manifest the house I wanted, my first house, the process was so smooth it shocked even the real estate um the real estate guy. Not the broker. Agent? Yeah, the real estate agent. The one that shows you the house. Right? It went smooth like butter from start to finish. And it happened to be the last house that we looked at. And it didn't even have one of the features that my husband had said he was absolutely adamant he wanted. Which was a garage. It didn't have a garage. It's it's one of those weird places. Uh, Seattle doesn't have very many garages either. And when they do, they're little more than sheds. If it's an older home. I'm not kidding. It's really kind of weird. I'm not sure how people got around. Alright. It went smooth as butter. There was not a hiccup in the process. It went smooth as silk. We had the keys to moving in within like three weeks. It was awesome. So if you're hitting a wall or it doesn't feel right, it might be there to teach you something about what it where what it is you're going to do or where it is you're going to go. So make sure you're paying attention. And if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Thank you guys for being here. I've had a fabulous time. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. This is the podcast Asafras. I'll see you guys tomorrow.